Hello and welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast. I'm Adam Salker. In this episode, Sarah Weisbarth, leader of alumni engagement, has a conversation with two powerful, inspiring, and leading women who have had a wide range of life experiences working in diversity, equity, and inclusion. The first guest you will hear from is Letitia Cunningham. Letitia was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. She came from humble beginnings and was very interested in culture and people from a young age. Graduating from Eastern Michigan University with a BBA and a master's degree in human resources and organizational development, Letitia started at the institution as a human resources affirmative action analyst. This is where her interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion was fueled. She went on to take roles in civil rights divisions, looking at laws and policies, and in 2017, Letitia established Leadership and Diversity Consulting, an undertaking that is very close to her heart. She currently serves clients in the United States and Canada while feeding her passion for cultural immersion by frequently traveling the globe. The second guest you will hear from is Anita Sanchez. Dr. Sanchez is a brilliant international leadership, team, and organizational development consultant, trainer, speaker, and coach. For 35 years, she has provided services to executives and their teams at dozens of Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and non-governmental organizations. Anita's passion is bridging indigenous wisdom and the latest in science to inspire and equip women and men to live their higher purpose in service and in joy. Of Mexican-American and Aztec heritage, Anita resides in the mountains of Boulder, Colorado with her husband and youngest son. Join Sarah and our guests as they discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion, how the Our Community Listens training enhances their education and experiences, and how to approach situations with authenticity and self-awareness. Please note, diversity, equity, and inclusion is occasionally referred to as D, E, and I. Letitia and Anita, I just really am so grateful for the two of you joining us today to have this important conversation around the, the needs and issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I just really hope to hear from the both of you, like what is your background and experience related to this topic? Um, Letitia, if you'd be willing to go first for us. Uh, sure. So I started diversity, equity, and inclusion work, just kind of being deeply engaged in it um, in 2009. And that was a mixture of developing programming and uh, a huge amount of civil rights work. That was when I first started as a civil rights investigator in, in 09. So I continued as a civil rights investigator for seven years at two different universities. And then in 2016, I accepted a diversity, equity, inclusion, and culture officer role. Uh, in 2017, I established Leadership and Diversity Consulting, which I still lead, um, and I'm now consulting and engaging in this work in the United States and Canada. Wow. It seems like you have been deep in this work for a long time. Yes. Yeah. It's a passion, which I think that you can't really, um, I think the most successful um, approach is to, to be passionate about it before you um, try to start engaging other people and getting other people involved. I can see why having that passion and that commitment to it really 
um, brings power to the message you're hoping to bring to people. Yes, because there's a difference, right? So I talked about my experience that I have in civil rights work. Uh, there, there's a lot of compliance in that and a lot of legislation behind that. And so you can always have some kind of statute um, to fall back on. When it comes to this work, when it comes to um, discussing uh, human behavior and interactions and bystander intervention and these sorts of things that help us connect better and having empathy uh, as humans, that is compassion work. And so you have to have some level of investment and deep involvement with it and connection to it on a personal level in order for it to be effective and to reach those in which you're working with. That's a really interesting distinction um, because there's certainly, like you said, compliance and laws and, and regulations that we have um, around DE&I, but that doesn't always get to the heart of how are people relating to one another around these topics and these issues. Um, there's a real difference there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that um, although there's, it's always important, you know, to, especially in organizations to have that the element of compliance, but I think with compassion work, it goes beyond, it's actually not, I think I know that it goes beyond just within the four walls of your work environment. It's something that relates to your personal life. When you go out into the world, just grocery shopping, having that element, that compassion element um, that I was talking about earlier, that empathy is a part of um, it. It's pervasive into all areas of your life. It has me thinking about um, almost a quote or a tagline that Anita had shared with me in a previous conversation, and I'm probably not going to get it right so she can correct me, but it's um, something along the lines of diversity exists and it's everyone's responsibility to include it. Um, Anita, I just would love to invite you into our conversation and um, have you share your perspective on maybe what we've been talking about, and then certainly your background and experience around this topic. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so um, uh, my passion around this topic is about my life and my family and all the people I care about. So I grew up in Missouri, and I'm um, Mexican-American and Native American Aztec as my tribe. And growing up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I continue to be growing up because I really see this as a journey. So on one hand, people hire me as an expert, 43 years uh, teaching and uh, training in this whole arena to corporations, as well as community groups at, at the domestic and global level. But the real reality is, I think this is work that's a journey. Um, and that's what I loved about, about our community listens is because it's about a journey. It's not that you arrive. However, there are fundamental skills. So I feel that there's personal experience, which of course helps me to have more empathy and understanding, but also with personal experience of being on the side of not being treated equitably or with dignity always on my group of pe groups of people. Um, I have to weigh through that and heal that so I can be present to be able to collaborate and ally with those of all different kinds of differences to be able to create the world we want, which is of course what our community listens, what I, I become such a, uh, not only training it, but really an ambassador in terms of integrating it in my own life and part of my work I do in DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it really sounds like that just like, mm, I don't even know how to capture this. There's a sense of because you've been living this, because you've experienced it, because you've had um, unfortunate circumstances happen to you, 
in order to stay committed to doing the work and maybe creating that compassion and that empathy that Letitia is talking about, you've had to do some personal consideration and development and maybe, maybe soul searching as to how can you still engage with individuals that have offended you or done something completely oppositional to what you believe in? Absolutely. Uh, what we're trying to create, there are pockets of history of that, of us being together and collaborating, but we also can't deny not only the historical, but the present day of the separation that's happening between us. And so if we want to really create a world that works for everyone, that requires us to constantly be doing our own healing and coming together. Um, and, and as part of that, what that requires, what is required of me all my life, I was fortunate. I grew up in an all black neighborhood being the only non-black family. So it allowed me to learn a lot about people that I don't share that race experience, but I could observe and see how I was treated, how they were treated, what was better, what was worse, what was happening. But also I went to a school in Missouri and Kansas City where it was a third white, a third Mexican, and a third black. And those early 12 years, well, I skipped a year, so 11 years of elementary and high school was really valuable to learn to be with different people from friends and not let the media or the various things we see you know, create the images, create, limit our possibilities of how we are actually one. And finally, I think the indigenous teaching about there's only one hoop of life. There's only one world. When we talk about the developed world, and the underdeveloped world, the North, the South, okay, I know we need to focus in, but the reality is we are one world. What we do matters no matter what we're doing it in the world. It has impact and implications that goes throughout the entire globe. And that's really takes a presence and consciousness that our community listens, skills, helps me um, along with all the other training I've had in my PhD program, my master's, all that, to, and in my, my cultural trainings to be able to be present so that I can move forward in a, in a heart-centered way rather than the mind just spinning. Yeah. Um. You're really, you're really speaking to really the mission and vision of what our community listens is about. And um, both Letitia and Anita, you are facilitators, you are leaders of this work that we do. Um, Anita, do you want to kind of continue in that vein of, of what skills, like how does this all, how does this all come together? <laughs> yes. Well, when I, when I came to get trained in this handful of years ago and I uh, heard Bob Chapman talking about this, and I said, well, I'm into transformation. I'm a transformational leader. I'm a transformational trainer. If this is transformational work, I want to know about it. And I got went, and I got so excited. Um, one, because the skills are really fundamental. So what I would say, what our community listens teaches, you know, listening, um, uh, behavior, the differences that in a different way than we usually think about differences when we think about DE and I. Um, so beyond race, gender, some basic needs, the differences. Uh, and then I have, I have dealt with people from warring countries. Um, that was a specialty of mine in the 70s and 80s. And when I saw how our community listens was teaching how to do conflict in a way that allowed for the dignity of the other, where we're actually realizing when we have a problem, when I have a problem, I go on bended knee. I am asking someone else to change their behavior to help meet my need. That is a, a different posture 
than one of antagonistic. Uh, what I see, it fits with all my other training and skills about being a proactivist, standing for rather than standing against. So what I see our community listen skills are basically, they're absolutely essential skills. And I will also speak, say, they are not sufficient into themselves. They are foundational. So we need to have these skills so we can go deeper into healing and having the courageous conversations and the collaboration co-creation. These are essential and we have other things to add to make it you know, for us to really fully hold this, to do the work in real time in this day. Wow. I love what you're saying about it being foundational, um, that it's, it's absolutely skills that we all need to have to bridge the gap of the differences, to understand one another, to be in relationship with one another. Um, and the more I, I listen and, and um, engage with both of you, I can see from a cultural standpoint that there's also more. There's also more about understanding and awareness and education. But these skills are a way to help bridge that gap in that understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Letitia, what do you have to share with us? Now, I just listening to what Anita said, and, and I agree that the body of work that we cover in CST is just so vast, and people are unique. So when it comes to, to how to connect with someone, regardless of their background, it's just, it, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. And so when it, there's cultural dynamics, right? And so that's one of the things that I appreciate about even taking the DISC assessment. We have to be able to understand ourselves first. Um, and our, just our tendencies, and then be able to then take that and know, well, if somebody is not the same as me, then then what do I do? And so how can I still be effective and how can I still show empathy or communicate with them in a way that is meaningful? So um, there's, there's the cultural dynamics, like I just talked about. Um, also, a person's perception of the world based on their experience, it could be media, family influence or uh, a number of factors that shape the lens in which we see the world. Now, the gift of, of communication skill training, uh, it brings a universal language of empathy, which has the capacity to bridge the gap, like you were talking about, Sarah, between a person's lived experience based on certain identities and those who may or may not share that experience. Now, I mean, I think it would be remiss if we didn't talk about that there's some people who cannot identify with those who may have those varying identities. But even in a position of privilege where one would have to be intentional to relate to another, this still can be effective. Um, so in, in order to inspire people, we have to find a way to connect through the, communi like the communication cycle as we discussed and, and understanding our own tendencies and the different many aspects of CST. But um, I think that through all these different avenues, we're providing that opportunity to relate to others. But when we have that, knowledge of the cultural component and these differences and, and the various ways that people come to the table with their lived experience, then we can be more effective and bridge that gap um, between those with varying identities and have a different way, different experience, different lived experience, and those who may not be able to, um, to relate to that. I wish you could see my face right now because I like have this, I'm just absorbing all of this in and even considering like how it relates, relates to me. Um, I'm a female, white, Midwestern, 
grew up in a, you know, nuclear family. I am guessing that there are a lot of cultural experiences out there that I have no idea about, no ability to understand or relate to. And I think I'm asking for help. I'm like, what is the point of what I'm saying right now? <laughs> like mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. when, when I walk into that wall of me having no concept of no understanding from a cultural standpoint? Well, this is where I think it's really important to see the, our communication skills, these fundamental skills of listening, um, uh, effective confrontation, um, understanding needs. It's not all external. It really starts inside. It's a both and. So it's about taking them internally so that you can look at your own stuff. What do you have the different parts of yourself? And really, it's listening to yourself. So many of us talk about, okay, we got to listen to the other person. Yes, we do. But guess what? We're going to have limits if we don't even listen to our own selves. The connection between our head and our heart. We're moving at such a pace of do, do, do that we haven't slowed down to be, to understand where our assumptions come from? What is it that we're actually seeing? So when you ask the question that you do and you have a, your beautiful face like puzzle, so what does this mean? I'm a white woman from the Midwest. What does that mean? The fact that you can say, I'm a white woman from the Midwest already tells me as a woman of color, this woman has spent some time thinking about who she is. It is not trying to lay on the whole world that my experience is everyone's experience. My experience as a Native American, uh, as Latina, is not everybody's experience. But what does combine us is I think there's some basic needs we all have, you know, not only for the oxygen, clean air, food, water, community, but also for dignity, the basic of all human beings all over the world, just by virtue of being, we are worthy of dignity. And I extend that beyond even people that the earth is worthy of dignity. The water that's, that's in our bodies, all of this is worthy of dignity. And as long as we keep having the illusion of we're all separate, mm-hmm. siloed things, whether it's inside of a company, inside of a community, inside of our homes, inside of ourselves, then it makes it difficult to come together. So what I think these essential skills, many of which I've been taught since I'm a young child as an indigenous person in particular, but also from the Latina and Hispanic thing, and then having seen it and coming from the Midwest, which is my my home state of Missouri, I'm so delighted to see these essential things can help bring us together. And so in my vocabulary, it's been for some decades now, when I catch myself ever saying, I can't, that is not true. That's the illusion again of separateness. I choose not to. I am not aware yet of how to do it. This is what I hear, like, hear you saying is, I want to yeah. say, but how else do I bridge these huge gaps? Mm-hmm. But you can choose. And when we choose, then we can go silent and listen and learn and silent with ourselves to see what's going on inside and then engage and know that it's not, it's not going to always be perfect because we're on a journey. But when you start where you did, hey, this is who I am. This is how I, how I'm perceiving things. How do you perceive it? That's often how I start with people all over the world. And people are delighted by that. It's coming from not an assumption of privilege or that everything that's right is my way. So there's many, the diversity is wonderful. And it's all, well, well, as you said, it's to start with diversity exists. 
while inclusion is everyone's responsibility. Yeah. 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 So, go ahead, Leticia. Is this one thing um, I wanted to say, Sarah? So, because um, you said you you know help me offer offer some tips, and so I appreciate that level of vulnerability and awareness. So the first thing I would say is um, get familiar with the unfamiliar. Uh, so many times people have come up to me and have said to me, man, I just, I really don't know much about this group of people, or I feel as though I don't really have a connection with that group of people, regardless of if it's, you know, their generational or religion or gender, you, sexual orientation, gender identity, like you fill in the blank, regardless of what it is, I ask that person, okay, have you allowed yourself to connect with people within that community? And often the answer is no. We can't allow ourselves to grow and to become knowledgeable about a community that we are not involved with. And so get familiar with the unfamiliar. Connect with those that you consider the other. And when we become honest with ourselves, then that is when we can really say, oh, wow, I have a bias towards this group of people. And as long as we focus on the person before the culture, that is how we make connections. And what I mean by that is we don't go up to people and just say, hey, you know, I was wondering, uh, what is the best type of ethnic food when it comes to your culture? Or asking questions specifically about somebody's culture if we haven't even opened up the door to get to know them first. Of course, I'm sure anybody can understand how that could be offensive. And so get to know the person before the culture. Be okay with being wrong. Um, as Anita was saying, it's a journey. And only those who put themselves out there in an authentic way can truly begin to connect with someone else. And that may take getting it wrong sometimes and having someone correct you and say, actually, you know, our, we prefer to be referred to as this. And that's okay. We learn and we grow and we move on. So as long as we're open to that and we are not just approaching someone from the standpoint of I'm, I'm trying to fulfill a goal, but there's gener genuinely a mutual connection and, and there's a, a mutual benefit from that conversation. I'll open up myself a little bit in an authentic way. I'll show a little bit of me and then that can create a medium to really build meaningful connections with people who you consider as other. I am um, like, I have such a deep sense of relief right now, Leticia, um, listening to the both of you one of my perspectives has always been, I just like see, see people. Like I just see people mm -hmm. as people. And until I can get to know that individual, I feel like if I make assumptions about their skin color, the way they style their hair, their background, their religion. I mean, as Anita said, there are so many things that we could categorize and create division around guys. Like it's endless. It's like, endless mm -hmm. we could categorize. I just feel like I'm creating landmines for myself if I focus on the categories and try to make assumptions about people based on how I'm maybe categorizing them. Instead, what I hear you saying is if I just focus on the person and, mm -hmm. and then really drawing into what Anita's been sharing is then focus on, on me and sharing me, then that's mm -hmm. going to just bridge that gap. Yeah. That's, that's, that's because a good start. Go ahead, yeah, the only point that I was going to add is um, sometimes you might not even know 
the background, especially there's invisible identities, um, things that you just can't look at somebody and tell that they're, um, that is a part of their identity. Sometimes when you get to know that person, things come out that you just would not have otherwise known. And just like I was kind of gave you the example of if you meet somebody and you want to know, you know, what type of dances are associated with their culture? um, What are some, uh, historic milestones related to their culture, whatever the case may be. Once you start getting to know that person, it just open up the door for people to share a little bit more of that personal side of them that they may, that you may not have known exists. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It does start with just a personal conversation. And then once we put ourselves out there, because we really can't expect for somebody to be vulnerable with us and share that side of them, because tell, telling your story is a gift. And so we can't expect for to receive that for someone if we do not put ourselves out there a little bit to give them something to work with. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. That That's where you begin with. And we're in such need to build community that we can't let it just draw on forever. And I know that's not what any of the three of us are saying. So one of the things that I think is important for people is to look at your whole value of comfort. I think what has happened is so many people have become particularly into their comfort of valuing that. And when you learn and grow, when you build relationship across difference, it's just not something to put as a high value. So what? So I might be a little bit uncomfortable, like, did I approach you the right way? But to not take that step to get to know you, then I lose out totally. And when I think, I think of all of us think of our life when we really made some leaps, it usually took a little bit of risk. It may have felt, you know, it's not like the earth was going to fall apart, but it was just, you know, it was different. But if we keep looking for comfort, then we're not going to get it. And I will tell you, in our community skills training, in that class, it isn't always comfortable. And that was fine because that's when the breakthroughs came through and so instead, it's to change our mindset that, oh, oh, I'm, a, I'm in a room and there's lots of people of different races, or wow, I'm in a room and it's all men and there's only two women, or whatever it is. It's like rather than get paralyzed, you know, flight, fight, freeze in terms of letting your brain, your amygdala take control, danger, danger. It's instead reframe that, oh, I, I have an opportunity here to learn, to, to become known. Uh, to help people expand their community, whatever it is. And um, that's very important. And the other thing I want to add, so let's value comfort a lot less, you know, <laughs> it's become, it, it's, it's become a barrier. The other piece that I think is really important is we do need to take our precious time because time is the most precious, our energy to actively learn about other people. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about bringing communities together, one of the things since I've been in the DEI arena for you know all my life, and then formally with my business for forty plus years, is it really amazes me when people when I ask them about their relationships with outside of their own culture, race, groups, that they don't have many, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is this is an ethical uh, issue, a professional issue. You need to expand that. Let's expand it. Now, that's not a thing to be ashamed of, but how can you teach something you haven't gotten in there and done the experience with? Uh, both the joy of it and also the challenges. Like, like that, you know, we sometimes come to places where, you know, I hear what you're saying. 
I have a different experience. Boom. And it may never come beyond that, but at least we heard each other. And by hearing each other, I'll have to say, is that you're not only sitting to listen to that other person in order to, now it's my turn, now I can get them. That's not the listening we're teaching. It's listening. And actually in the listening process, I get transformed. You get transformed. Whether or not we ultimately agree on all of it, there's a process that's happening in that flow, in that intimacy of truly being with someone rather than being in competition with them for airspace and everything else. So please, mm-hmm. learn. right now, there's a, a, one last thing I want to say about this part is in learning right now, I just picked up, uh, I was at the friend and got the New York Times and the um, 1619 Project. You know, the world, the, this country got shaped in a different way than what happened with the indigenous people. In 1619, the first 20 slaves were brought here and bought. And we need to not shy away. Oh, that was back then. We need to look at what systems and structures are in place now that continues that inequity. And it's not about, you know, beating yourself up. It's about we have to be knowledgeable about what we are experiencing because it doesn't come out of nothing. It comes out of something. So we can be clear about what we're seeing then together we can move forward on this. Natisha, I think you were about to say something. Sorry, I got a little passionate about that. No, no, I just, um, I, I hear you and, and I like, I like passionate discussion. Um, Sarah mentioned earlier um, about a comment that I often hear um, regarding uh, people, just wanting to see people as people. And um, you are not the only one who shares that, opinion, I wanted to offer a perspective. So particularly for people who, when it comes to race and religion, and people say, I don't see race, um, I don't see gender, I don't see religion. Although the person who's making that statement at times may say, well, I'm doing that because I want to make the people that are in those groups comfortable. Um, I believe that in doing that, it's not making those other people comfortable with making the speaker, the person who's actually making that statement comfortable. Because when we, when we deny, when we say that we don't see race, we don't see religion, we don't see these other things, it's denying somebody of an entire huge identity that is front, out in front when they walk out into the world. And so African-American, Latino, you fill in the blank, then that is a huge part of your identity when you walk out into the world and it dictates a lot of your experience as a person. And so by denying that part of somebody, it takes away when they were to, if they were to have a genuine conversation with a person and, and that person says, well, I, you know, I don't see race. It takes away the opportunity to be genuine and share your actual experience as a person with that identity, because that other person has already shut down a whole entire part of your identity by saying that they don't identify with it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one, one thing that I wanted to share. The other thing is just um, in terms of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah, I was born and raised in Detroit. Um, I had never traveled before. Uh, when I went to college was the first time I, I traveled outside of the country. And then it just opened up this, this taste for me to see more. 
And so I've traveled to about 21 countries and every single country, I find something new that's interesting to me, but there's also this element of the unknown that I'm very, very, very uncomfortable with. But by the time I visited the third or fourth country, it became more so a challenge to myself to want to get more familiar, more comfortable with people that are different than me. It could be language, food, style of clothing, the norms, um, some of the, the ethnic customs, but it made me be able to connect more with people who are different than me. And then now when I come back and I travel to different places, or even I come back or back home and I meet somebody from those different identities, I have a some common ground with them where we could share, break bread, have a conversation and can relate to each other. And I think that that is one of the, the joys of life to not be so homogenous or stuck with you know, a homogenous group of people because it's comfortable. It's so much more enlightening and brings such a, a more of a joy to life to have those different experiences to share with people. And I love the look on people's faces when they're like, what? You know, you've been to Romania or, you know, you can say hello to me in German because you visited there. It's a very, very um, relatable feeling, feeling of elation, being able to connect with people on a different level like that. I, um, I, I've, I have run out of responses to share with the two of you. <laughs> I have literally like, you have both rendered me almost speechless because I'm trying to, in my head, like bring it to this practical moment in our recording for our listeners of like why this all matters and bring it back to our yeah. skills. But man, I am telling you, it is really about just connecting with people and being curious and humble and wanting to engage with others and just, and just learn and grow together. And I, I feel like we've kind of traversed from talking about diversity towards talking about, well, how, how can we include one another? How can we be mm -hmm. in this together? And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, well, and Sarah, you've just done it. You've just done it in a, in a big <laughs> way with the podcast. I mean, you, we've, our committee listens have been doing it with the, the, through the foundation with the classes, taking them out mm -hmm. and then taking them out, not just communities that are mainly white, but taking it out to other communities, communities that are more and more diverse who are, you know, and then into companies through the, the, the private Barry Way Miller Corporation. And so you asking for this podcast, you didn't have to do that. You could keep going on. It's, I mean, our community listens is growing. However, because you're staying true to what your mission is, then that's the pull. That's the pull from the heart. And the head comes along. They're saying, we've got to have these conversations. And why not start here with Leticia and Anita and, and me? Let's do that. Here we got three women, mm -hmm. different races, different backgrounds, different lots of differences. And yet, guess what? The guy didn't fall in. We could talk about stuff, you know, and that's going on. That's difficult. The things that are happening in the news that we can see. Um, and I love Letitia. I just love what you were saying about, you know, just, you've got to get out there and, um, and really fully see everyone. So it's not about being mm -hmm. colorblind or age blind or gender blind. You know, when that comes mm -hmm. up in communities by ourselves, we say, well, what's wrong? We need to give them glasses or we need something else. We know mm -hmm. that intention is good. The intention means I want, I see you as a human being. 
And that's what we are. Mm -hmm. The other part of it, like you were saying, Letitia, is so critical. That's part of what makes me fully who I am is those other experiences Mm -hmm. too. And those are only a part. There's so many aspects. But I just, Sarah, I just want to applaud you and our community listens that you're continue to head on this, that it's not good enough with what you have. And you're going into schools and education and into uh, cities. And that means it's about all of us. And so uh, a great start, of course, is Everybody Matters, uh, our community listens class that you teach. Uh, there are other great books out. Um, the Four Sacred Gifts is my book and tells some basic things about how we be in right relationship with each other. And I just started reading one, Letitia. I don't know if or either of you have heard of it, but it's Our Grandmother's Hands. And it's beautiful because it gets into, it's primarily white, black, and police. And I care about all three of these so much of what's going on. And But I, I thought it was wonderful, not only saying what is, but also how white people started who came here. It wasn't all wonderful and lovely, and it hasn't been all wonderful and lovely. Mm-hmm. So like, we need to look at where all these hurts and mistreatments that may still be alive and showing up in the systems and structures we create so that we can create whole and healthy ones. And so that's where I just have a deep appreciation for the work that's being done um, in your foundation and the corporation that, that helped start that. And um, yes. So just thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Anita, for kind of almost bringing it around to it really being about a mission of creating this compassionate world um, where we understand one another and that we grow in connection. And mm-hmm. uh, as we've been chatting, I've just been like thinking through like, yes, like if, if anyone wanted to make a first step, attend the communication skills training with our community listens, because as we've said forever ago. That's the foundational work of, wow, I'm, I'm different than others. How do I understand myself and how do I understand others? And then how do I mm-hmm. communicate and then listen with empathy? And then when the conversations get difficult and uncomfortable, and we know they do, what skills do I have then to have a humbled conversation so that I can bridge that gap and create that understanding and, and mm-hmm. moving it from confrontation and instead moving it towards connection and understanding. And, and we teach very practical skills to do that. Like, that's why I'm like, we have the answer. <laughs> like, we, we can help. Like, we have the secret yeah. sauce. We can give you this. Like, come join us. Um, and then we can tackle all of the difficult issues that, that we face as, as a worldwide culture together. Um, based on jumping off of those foundational skills. So in a, a final wrap up, uh, is there any anything that we missed in our conversation? Um, any words of wisdom or insight that both of you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? If I could say a group that I don't want to leave this conversation without naming, because there's so many, however age, I spend a great deal of time with entrepreneurs as well and young community leaders. I was just in Aspen with um, uh, a young woman, Ashia Bastida, and she's part of the um, Friday strike group from elementary schools or pre-voting age that are saying, hey, leaders, you need to think about our future, our present and our future. And 
um, you know, galvanizing the way they can, but also inviting adults to be part of that. So why I want to bring up the Gen Z and the millennials is because they have a different experience with the other groups, the, the, the wise, the boomers and others that they, there's a different expectation about inclusion. And I'm not saying it's all over the board, but in terms of a bell curve, it's much broader of their experience of learning about other people. And, and um, like a recent stat, I was just, I saw it made me very happy actually, is that a reason for organizations or community schools even to look at it, millennials left the job, 35% of them left their job in 2018 because they found that the culture was not inclusive. Now, when I dug further in that data, they didn't leave because, oh, I'm African-American, you know, or I'm Mexican-American, or I'm a white woman. They left, a number of them left because they saw other people weren't being included. That's the good thing. When we see our communities, our neighborhoods, our businesses and that saying, wait a minute, this is a value, this is a mission, is to all of us. And so I just want to acknowledge that this evolution, this journey we're on is about all of us. And some of us is helping to pull and push us in that direction, which I I spend lots of time listening to the younger people and sharing on panels and different things with them because they have a lot to teach us. And I know that our community listens is doing more and more in education. And that makes me so excited because we don't need to go at make assumptions, unexamined assumptions about whatever pace we're going at, because it can always be different than what it is. We just have to choose. And so I think for me, in closing, um, a place to start is we need to hold both. It's in the inside and it's out here. It's not an either or. Thank you, Anita. That's such a powerful, Mm -hmm. powerful statement. Um, And it really does. It just brings it all together of this realization. of how do we do this in, in connected relationship together. Yeah. Letitia, anything you want to share before we sign off? Just um, seek common ground that forms a connection. Have dialogue and challenging dialogue. Go beyond the surface with people after forming that communication, or after forming that connection. Get comfortable with the unfamiliar. Speak up when people are being left out of the conversation and just remember that open ears are useless to a closed mind. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You both have, um, you've helped me. Um, you've helped me and I have great confidence um, that you're helping our listeners understand what it feels like to be connected, to be inclusive, um, to see the beauty and the diversity and understand that through the way we connect and communicate with one another, um, we can bridge those gaps. So thank you both for your time, your insights, your expertise, and and both of you, such a strong, long experience history in doing this important work. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylistens.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.